The Durable Restoration Company is a proud sponsor of Berguin Wright Presents. At Durable Restoration, they specialize in exterior historic restoration services. All of their craftspeople and artisans are employees and trained in-house using traditional materials, tools, and techniques that are tried and true. They have a long list of historic landmarks across the nation that they are proud to have helped preserve for future generations. For all your upcoming restoration needs, contact Durable Restoration at DurableRestoration.com or call toll-free at 1-877-340-9182. The podcast is also sponsored by Fraser's Ridge Homecoming, presented by Outlander North Carolina. Now in its fifth year, Fraser's Ridge Homecoming is a unique three-day immersive event held in North Carolina's backcountry with more than 30 historically accurate workshops, as well as encampments, music, dancing, and more. Guests will be taken back in time to Claire and Jamie's home on the ridge to experience 18th century North Carolina history like never before, form lifelong friendships with other fans, and even have the chance to meet a special guest from the TV series. Come home to Fraser's Ridge October 12th through 14th at Leatherwood Mountains Resort in historic Ferguson, North Carolina. Begin your journey to the past by visiting frasersridgehomecoming.com. Outlander-inspired, history-focused. Very few people can claim that they know every nook and cranny of North Carolina's earliest history. The poorest of the 13 colonies, North Carolina was difficult to develop. Shallow waters off its coastline made getting here a treacherous endeavor, and the marshy land that awaited you made it tough to put down roots. And yet so much of North Carolina's identity is forged in those years before and during the American Revolution. Nearly a century of history unfolded in the colony before the last shots of war were ever fired. And while it's easy to oversimplify those early benchmarks in favor of all that came next, you can't truly understand what North Carolina becomes if you don't acknowledge where it's been. Hello and welcome to Berguin Wright Presents Outlander in the Cape Fear, a podcast series telling the stories of North Carolina's Cape Fear region through the history of one of its oldest historic sites. My name is Hunter Ingram. I'm the Assistant Museum Director for the Berguin Wright House and Gardens in Wilmington, and I'm your host for this podcast. This season on Berguin Wright Presents we are back to exploring the real North Carolina history depicted in the global phenomenon that is Outlander. The historical fiction book series from author Diana Gabaldon and the Stars series that adapted it for television. The beloved story follows Claire, 
a World War II nurse who time travels back to 1743 Scotland, where she meets and eventually marries a devoted Highlander named Jamie Fraser. Together, the pair land in the American colonies in North Carolina on the eve of the Revolutionary War in the 1760s and 70s, and soon find themselves players in the founding of a country. This week, we're finishing up our summer run of episodes by doing something a little different. On this podcast and in everything we do with Outlander's history in the Cape Fear, we like to say we're walking in the footsteps of Claire and Jamie Fraser. So for this episode, we're going to retrace those steps just a bit to revisit two vitally important pieces of the Cape Fear's colonial history that the Outlander TV show didn't represent. In our first season, we featured Jim McKee, the site manager of Brunswick Town Fort Anderson State Historic Site, and Jason Howell with Moores Creek National Battlefield. Both sites, along with the Bergwin Wrighthouse, tell the story of this region's colonial era and the Revolutionary War for visitors today. But as the Outlander TV series barrels toward its eighth and final season, it's had to leave behind some of the pivotal moments at play in Gabaldon's books, including references to and full-fledged events at places like Brunswick Town and Moores Creek. So on this episode, we're going to give these sites the airtime they missed by asking one simple question. What are audiences missing when they don't see Brunswick Town and Moores Creek represented in the world of Outlander? We're going to get an answer to that question and more on this mid-season finale episode of Bergwin Wright Presents Outlander in the Cape Fear. Joining me now in the archives of the Bergwin Wright House are two voices that you've heard on the podcast before. Jim McKee, the site manager for Brunswick Town Fort Anderson State Historic Site in Winnebow, and Jason Howe with Moores Creek National Battlefield in Curry. Gentlemen, thank you for coming back on the podcast. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us. Good to be here. Well, as I was telling you before we started, I wanted to close out this chapter of talking about the Cape Fear's colonial history, because in a way, the Outlander TV show is doing that. They're moving on to bigger topics that they have in later books that aren't always tied to North Carolina and the Revolutionary Era. They're also barreling towards the end game for the TV show, which is going to end in its eighth season. And so as I've kind of wrestled with as someone who talks about the show and writes about the show, there's not as much nuance to it as there was at a time where they let them gallivant around France and let them really luxuriate in North Carolina's colonial era in seasons four and five. And so there have been some things that the show has missed. And among those are your two sites. Now, there have been mentions here and there, but I kind of find it, as someone who does appreciate the show, unfathomable that people who are watching Outlander, who are learning their history from Outlander, aren't seeing Brunswick Town and Moores Creek depicted. So for this episode... I wanted to ask you both a pretty simple question that we can use as a jumping off point, and that is, what do people miss when they're watching Outlander and don't see your sights? So chronologically, Jim, 
Brunswick Town does get established first. What are viewers, people who are learning some of their North Carolina history, missing when they don't see Outlander in the context of Claire and Jamie Frazier's world? Well, they're missing out on the, the whole intricacy of the development of the Lower Cape Fear and the establishment of the Lower Cape Fear as a very major port, the major port for North Carolina. And yes, Brunswick is the port, but Wilmington is the political base. And hence, that is why Wilmington gets all the press. It gets everything except one thing, and that's the port. That's the only thing Wilmington's missing. And unfortunately, even though in the grand scheme of things, Brunswick's more important because it's the port, Wilmington has the voice. And it's what survived. And it's what survived. Records-wise, you know, name recognition-wise. On the show, we do see Claire and Jamie come through Wilmington in 1767, but Brunswick was still active. There had been the Stamp Act, as we talked about in your episode. And and one thing I'll tell for people is, in this conversation, we're not going to go into everything about Brunswick Town and Morse Creek, because we've already done that with these two guys. We have done it in the first episode of the entire podcast with Jim, called Coming to America. We talked about the Scottish Highlander immigration into Brunswick Town, which was you know, quite fruitful, quite plentiful. And then in the last episode of our first season, we talked about Morse Creek and what will happen there. And so you can go back and listen to some of this. But the reason I want to jump back into the conversation is for reasons like that. People have now seen what I think is going to be Outlander's real testament to the revolution in North Carolina and the Cape Fear. And there are two kind of blind spots here. And in the case of Brunswick, that really is the entry point. Exactly. And, and, you know, and, it's, and it's important to understand, yes, people are getting their history from this, but Outlander is entertainment first. It is. And I know that I'm st- it still, as a historian, is difficult for me to wrap my head around it when I attempt to watch it. Honestly, to omit Morse Creek is unfathomable. I, I just can't. Well, Jason, let's talk about it. So what are people missing when they don't see Moore's Creek in the context of the Revolutionary War in North Carolina? I think what they are missing out on is I was reading back through uh, Diana Gabaldon's, uh, and I probably mispronounced her name. but I've heard it several um, ways now, so I think we're all kind of just but, shooting uh, And I do apologize if I did. But I think what people, you know, when I was reading back through the book, she she entitled The Battle of Moore's Creek, Ghost of Culloden. And I think that by itself, that, that statement by itself is what people are missing out on. They're missing out on the end of an era for a Highland warfare. The Battle of Moore's Creek represents the last ever Highland broadsword charge anywhere in the world would occur here 23 miles above Wilmington, North Carolina. February the 27th, 1776. And I, and I really think that that in itself is what people are missing out on. That last gasp, that last hurrah, that last ever style of warfare was fought right here in the Cape Fear in, in, in the American Revolution. And people who, who, like you said, are getting their history from the show, they're, they're missing out on that one point in history that is so important to, to the Highland culture as, it's, as it is in the American Revolution. 
one thing I'll give credit for to people who do watch Outlander in, in a large degree is they do use it to go seek out the real history. Mm-hmm. You've seen people at Brunswick Town. You've seen yeah. people at Morris Creek. We've seen people here at the Bergman Wright House who want to learn more about it. But there are also people who don't live in this country, who don't live in this state, who don't have as easy access to this. So in a way, this is their history lesson in this mm-hmm. area's history. And as we saw in season seven, Outlander goes from a trip in Wilmington, which the three of us actually watched together at a season premiere party, where Claire interacts with Josiah Martin at Fort Johnston. It goes from that, and then there's a montage that skips us all the way into 1777. And so they are moving to different things. You know, Scotland's going to be reincorporated. We're going to see maybe some northern colonies with Philadelphia. We've already seen New York. And so North Carolina seems to be something that it's it's putting to bed for a moment and it felt weird to not have these things represented now you see people come out and you even talk to people who may not watch outlander and talk about their connections if you now know that the show isn't going to depict morris creek or brunswick what do you tell to people do you talk to people who like outlander and try to explain to them the importance of the sites or how, how do you kind of go about you know, having this conversation when it didn't happen on television. It's actually really simple. Because um, we do get people all the time say, oh yeah, we watch Outlander, da-da-da. And, and I was like, well, you do realize this is where most of the Highlanders landed first. You're like, what? Every now and then I'll get the people, that random couple or family that says, yes, we knew that. And that's why we're here. But... When you exp- and it's really usually very simple to explain. Well, why didn't they go up to Wilmington in the first place? I said, well, they physically could not. The f- river physically would not let the ship's deep draft vessels coming from Scotland go to Wilmington. They would just they run had aground. To stop here. Yeah. yeah, they had to stop here, and I'd show them on a map. They're like, I said, you know, it's called Port Brunswick for a reason, and it's Port Brunswick for almost a hundred years. It's not Port Wilmington until after Brunswick's completely gone. It's the 14th busiest port in America, or in North America, which sounds impressive. It's not, but it is the 14th busiest just because of the sheer amount of goods being shipped out. Yeah. Now, Jason, you do get a lot of Outlander people because Diana Gabaldon does include Moore's Creek in the books. Mm-hmm. A Breath of Snow and Ashes, a good chunk of it is Jamie fighting at Moore's Creek. And so... How do you talk to people about Outlander now that they won't get that visual representation? Yeah, um, yeah we do get a lot of people who've read the books. Um, and I, I do from time to time have folks who, uh, who who have watched the TV show and find their way into Moore's Creek, mainly because they notice that the Scots do fight there. So we are getting people, you know, by them watching the TV series and learning about Highland Scots in the American Revolution. Um, typically what we t- tend to tell people is uh, this was part of the book series and, um, you know, this is what's important. You know, the fact that it is the last ever Highland broadsword charge anywhere in the world, that it is the end of um, that style of warfare. But also we, we convey to people how important it is, not only to the Highland culture, but really to the United States as a whole had the Battle of Moore's Creek had not happened, it's quite possible that there would have never been a July 4th. You know, you can't play the what-if game 
but it definitely has deep holdings within what happens next. Uh, at the time, the colonies were at odds with one another. Well, hey, you know, what are we going to do? Should we break away with Great Britain? Should we, you know, should we come around with colonies? Should we just work things out? What are we going to do? No one could actually decide which direction they wanted to go. With the Battle of Morse Creek Bridge, a Patriot victory there, and not only a Patriot victory, but a decisive Patriot victory, the first decisive Patriot victory of the American Revolution. And that really kind of gets the ball rolling in the right direction. I mean, people as important as John Adams and even Samuel Adams and, and several other people, prominent people up north are just like, man, you guys see what's happening in North Carolina? Did you see this? Um, Halifax Resolves, they passed on April the 12th, 1776, and it, they really have, you know, the right idea. And, and, and I typically tell people, you know, the Patriot victory there really gets the ball rolling in the right direction towards independence, towards July 4th, 1776. And, you know, <clears throat> taking a step further, yes, Morse Creek, depending on who you talk to, is the most important three to 30 minutes to three hours in North Carolina history. Um, <laughs> maybe not three hours. Yeah, 30 to 40 minutes, maybe. Kind of. But smoke yeah, lingers for the smoke hour. lingers. There you go. Yeah. Well, I'm but, very slogan. <laughs> to, to put it in a broader perspective, so the purpose of Morse Creek Bridge is for the Highlanders to come down to Brunswick to meet up with a British army hmm? and a British fleet. When they're defeated, when the army and the fleet finally get here, there's no one to meet them. And so that's going to have a, a major effect, not just on what's going to happen immediately following. You know, what's going to happen in March, May, or March, April, and May in the Cape Fear is going to just help decide where the British, that British Southern invasion is going to go next. Are they going to go to the Chesapeake, or they're going to go south to Charleston, which they go south to Charleston. But it's the first time, because of, of Moore's Creek, it's the first time that the major players in the South, and the North for that matter, Sir Henry Clinton, Charles Cornwallis, Sir Peter Parker of the Navy. Not Spider-Man. Not Spider-Man. Not Spider-Man. Not Spider-Man. Before he's Spider-Man, he's a Commodore in the, in the Royal Navy. It's the first time the three of these men, these major players, early in the war, are going to interact. Because of Moore's Creek, instead of hitting the ground in Cape Fear running, they sit here for a month and with nothing to do. Essentially, they're, 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 they decide to give the troops time to rest, recoup. give the Navy, yeah, recoup. Give the Navy time to recoup before they go on to something else. This is going to influence, because of their interactions, their opinions, this is actually going to influence the conduct of the war for years to come. It's interesting because as a patriot victory, it seems odd to not have that in this story because Outlander has spent now two, almost three seasons, transitioning Jamie from a conscripted loyalist to a patriot based on values and what Claire knows about the future. And yet in that montage that is in the second episode, I believe, of the seventh season, you go several months, if not, I think over a year into the future, and that's when all of this is happening. In North Carolina, where they are, all of this is happening around them. And I get that, as we've said, this is all in service of a historical 
fiction romance at the end of the day. But Outlander has made a point for years to show the intersections of that story and the history around it. And that's why I think not just people at this table, but people who appreciate this area's history, who follow it, who want to see it spoken about to an even larger degree, are are sad to see that not represented in this area because we do see a lot of Wilmington. You know, we here have not seen the Bergwin Wright House. We have not seen John Bergwin. We've seen his acquaintances. Um, we like to say that the, the house they visit when they see Flora McDonald in season six was the closest you're going to get to the Bergwin Wright House, you know. And we would love to see that here. But even more consequentially, I think that not having your two sites is really the beginning and then that end of an era, in a way, of this area moving through the revolution, those bookends. And so it's, I guess it's interesting to think about us having this conversation now as this show moves into its own next era. We are talking about a significant portion of defining North Carolina history with your site and Morse Creek. And um, it is unfortunate that we don't see it. And I think that's why I wanted to ask the conversation of what do people miss? Because they do miss something. Now that leaves viewers and history lovers to go seek it out themselves, which is why we have these sites. But I think it is unfortunate that there isn't that assist, that boom, because I think even Morse Creek has been waiting for that. Oh, uh, yeah, we, we kind of have, uh, uh, just a little bit. You know, I think uh, my uh, the superintendent, he, he's he been waiting for quite some time. Um, uh, we've been so excited, uh, as I mentioned on the last uh, episode, you know, me and my wife, we named our son Alexander Malcolm mm-hmm. after James Alexander Malcolm Mackenzie Frazier. You know, we have, we you know, we were kind of excited. We were thinking, hey, you know, we're going to um, get mentioned because for whatever reason, the Battle of Morse Creek has kind of fallen out of favor um, with historians, even. And it, it's such a pivotal battle. And not only is it the Battle of Morse Creek, but, you know, uh, Jim hit, hit on earlier, they decided to go to uh, South Carolina where they fight the Battle of Fort Moultrie. And, I mean, really, it's between the Battle of Fort Moultrie and, and, and the Battle of Morse Creek is what solidifies you know, the signing of the Declaration of Independence. And in many ways, it is it is the first major defeat of the British Army in the American Revolution here in the South. Mm-hmm. Uh, or it would be right here in the Southern Colonies, and it's a, it's a campaign and it, um, that has often been overlooked. Even people really, even today, don't even mention Fort Moultrie for the most part for whatever reason. But if there was no defeat of a major British force here in 1776, who knows which way it would have gone. You know, so it, it's a big part, not only of Outlander, but also American history in general, um, that for whatever reason, like I said, h- historians have just kind of pushed it to the side and don't even mention it much anymore. So I think that's probably the big thing that people are missing out on. Jim might have a different opinion, but... Well, if, if people are watching the show, or they're reading the books, or they're just looking into North Carolina history, and they have a passing interest or a, a deep-seated love of Outlander, as people who work with your sites, what would you tell those people? You know, to come and see them? I think that's the first thing. Yeah. Just walk the, on these grounds. I mean, we say that in every episode, but I think in this case, the fact that people aren't seeing them on the show is even more reason to just come see them yourself so you can get a clearer fuller picture of what you're 
what you're interested in. Is that I that's that that's it? Me. I mean, I, I I can't put it any better. Come and visit. I mean, get out and and take in the history. It's there. It's here. Um, and you know, with Morse Creek, Lord have mercy. I mean, they've done an incredible job interpreting that battle, all aspects of it. And more importantly, like Jason said, it's the last battle of its kind where Highlanders charge with broadswords. It's probably, it's not the last, but it's, it's one of the last times that veterans of Culloden are going to clash. So if your interest is Scottish history oh, and North Carolina, You'll drown is... in it. At, exactly. At, you'll drown in the history of Moores Creek and Scottish history, just like if you jumped in the creek. Just, yeah, so, just stay on the boardwalks. We don't want anybody stay to actually jump in and try to, try to <laughs> yeah, Do not jump <laughs> in that creek. No, it's, it's 10 foot deep in most places. Oh, okay, good. Still. But, but still, I know, what, I know what lives in that thing. Well, yeah. what would you say, Jason, to people who, who might not have known the Moores Creek or they... They are interested. I mean, I imagine it is, again, to come out and see it for yourself. Yeah, um, definitely come come see it. Um, you know, I tell people all the time, uh, you, you know, you don't even have to be lovers, lovers of history. Uh, we got a great um, walking path up there. Um, if you just want to get out and exercise. I am envious of your walking paths. <laughs> <laughs> <to this point. laughs> it, is, it is a great place to come out and walk. Um, it's a great place, place to be in nature. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also a great place if you are interested in history to be a part of not only local history but world history. You know, come out and, and and learn more about the players, learn more about you know all the officers or the people, or you know, we even talk about John Burgrin from time to time, or, or we talk mm-hmm. about Janet Shaw who lived here in Wilmington. Um, we even have her diary, um, which is unique to see. Um, but it's 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 a very important part of history that needs to be experienced if you're interested in that. But but even more so, like you said, just come come to out and see us. We have a little bit of something for everyone. Um, you don't even really have to like history that much. Just like the um, nature, because that's that's the, both our sites are history, but they're also natural sites. Yeah. So, Jason, you know, Moore's Creek's on on Moore's Creek. Brunswick's on the Cape Fear River. Um, you will get nature. You will be sometimes attacked by nature. <laughs> yes, I have been in Brunswick Town one time where I got attacked by things at night, and it was um, it was a lot. Yeah, don't come out. Don't come out of either side at night unless there's lots of people. Well, and even in that way, the immersion in nature is going to be something that they experience at the time. Exactly. And so it's it's exactly. immersion that's in that environment. That history, that's part of that history yeah. story. I mean. Yeah, and I'd probably say this for Jason also. You give us two hours, we'll give you two centuries. It's um, it's a good place, especially at Morris Creek. You can find out what happens to Donald McDonald, which the show mm-hmm. forgot to tell us. Um, <laughs> they introduced him and then let him leave um, without his confrontation with Jamie at Morris Creek. But there is so much history to see at both your sites and ours. I mean, obviously, we're sitting at the Bergwin Wright House. Really, I think our sites treat each other as kind of a triangle. We send yep. each other to... Brunswick, Pender, New Hanover to talk about colonial history. Outlander for a while and, and still certainly is is a connective tissue that, that people even beyond us are finding out about our sites. We can promote the heck out of our places. But that was one of the reasons we did the podcast because the show reaches people that we would never reach who do have an interest in history. And so we would ask them to come out and, and see these sites. You can 
get to experience what Outlander missed in a way and um, and actually do it even better because you could see the real thing. Thank you, gentlemen, so much for coming out and kind of helping me, again, put a period on this part of the story. We'll keep doing Outlander episodes. I'm sure you will be talking to people about Outlander, even though the show has moved past our time in its own timeline. But um, thank you for coming and helping me close out this part of our story. Yeah, thank you for having us. Right, thanks. That's it for the mid-season finale episode of Bergwin Wright Presents Outlander in the Cape Fear. Thank you so much for joining us this season, and we will be back very soon with new episodes of this podcast. Until then, be sure to subscribe to this podcast by searching Bergwin Wright Presents on your favorite podcast platform so you never miss an episode. And while you're there, please rate and review us, which can help more people find the podcast. You can also follow the Bergwin Wright House and Gardens on all social media platforms, including Facebook and Instagram, for the latest on what we're doing at the site. As a nonprofit, this podcast and all the exciting projects done at the Bergwin Wright House are made possible by donations and community support. Please consider making a donation or joining our membership program with exclusive perks and tours. All the money raised goes towards the furthered education and preservation of Wilmington's oldest historic site. For more information, visit our website in each episode's description or at bergwinwrighthouse.com. Thank you so much for your support. This podcast is written, edited, and hosted by me, Hunter Ingram. We would like to take a moment to thank Durable Restoration Company and Fraser's Ridge Homecoming for sponsoring the podcast this season. And we'd also like to thank Rachel Ross for our cover art design and the National Society of the Colonial Dames of America in the state of North Carolina for their continued support. See you next time on Bergwin Wright Presents Outlander in the Cape Fear. The Durable Restoration Company is a proud sponsor of Bergwin Wright Presents. At Durable Restoration, they specialize in exterior historic restoration services. All of their craftspeople and artisans are employees and trained in-house using traditional materials, tools, and techniques that are tried and true. They have a long list of historic landmarks across the nation that they are proud to have helped preserve for future generations. For all your upcoming restoration needs, contact Durable Restoration at DurableRestoration.com or call toll-free at 1-877-340-9182. The podcast is also sponsored by Fraser's Ridge Homecoming, presented by Outlander North Carolina. Now in its fifth year, Fraser's Ridge Homecoming is a unique three-day immersive event held in North Carolina's backcountry with more than 30 historically accurate workshops, as well as encampments, music, dancing, and more. Guests will be taken back in time to Claire and Jamie's home on the Ridge to experience 18th century North Carolina history like never before, form lifelong friendships with other fans, and even have the chance to meet a special guest from the TV series. Come home to Fraser's Ridge October 12th through 14th at Leatherwood Mountains Resort in historic Ferguson, North Carolina. 
Begin your journey to the past by visiting Fraser's Ridge Homecoming.com. Outlander inspired, history focused.